Welcome back, Pac-12 fans, to the Locked On Pac-12 football podcast. I'm your host, Emily Van Buskirk, and this is the Tuesday edition of our daily Locked On podcast, part of the Locked On Network. Uh, it's been an absolute blast doing this so far. I know we're only a few days in, but appreciate you guys listening, and I'm excited to bring you content every day. Tuesday means we are going to be talking about the Pac-12 Football Players of the Week, which were released um, you know, on Monday, and the Pac-12 Conference sends out that list, and they pick... Offensive, defensive, and special teams players. And then, you know, a newer addition is they actually choose an O-lineman, a D-lineman, and a freshman. So there's about six guys um, who make the list each week. And we're going to be taking a look at those guys in a few minutes here. And then, you know, later in the episode, we're going to be having on a, a very good, knowledgeable guest. His name is RJ Badia, and he runs thebootleg.com. He's one of my go-to Stanford experts, one of the first people I actually met in the industry, um, an awesome guy, somebody I call my road dog because we traveled the Stanford beat together early on, and he still knows everything, I mean, inside and out. Stanford grad himself, so he's very passionate about the Cardinal, but he's also very real about you know how the team is and he breaks it down so he's going to join us later and talk about Stanford's win over Washington and then at the end of the episode we're going to talk um, a little bit about uh, what RJ wrote and and then we're going to maybe dip a little into Pac-12 basketball just take a brief respite from football uh, and we had we have Pac-12 basketball media day is going on in San Francisco right now. So the women were on Monday and the men are on Tuesday. So we're going to break down a little bit of what we learned um, from the women's basketball day. Uh, There's some pretty funny clips. Definitely check out Pac-12.com for all the content. But we'll talk a little bit about um, what that season's going to look like. Because, you know, it's pretty soon we're going to overlap here into both sports. I mean, October is a glorious month. We get playoff baseball, you know, we get the beginning of the NFL, we get the heart of college football, we get hockey, and we get basketball. So this is really prime, prime month. Um, But for now, I think we should jump right into the players of the week. So I think where we'll start is with the three, you know, offense, defense, special teams, because it's really... (laughs) <laughs> the list here is is pretty limited when it comes to guys. I mean, our the offensive player of the week was retro senior quarterback from Oregon State, Jake Luton. And um, it's funny because the special teams player of the week was Daniel Rodriguez, also redshirt senior uh, from Oregon State, and he's the punter. And what's cool about him is he's from Pleasanton, California, so he's a local Bay Area guy. Um, but they made up, you know, two thirds of the uh, of one part of the offensive players of the week. So um, I'm sure most of you saw Oregon State's win over UCLA. It was pretty incredible, and those two guys, um, Luton and Rodriguez were very key in it. Um, Luton tied a school record with six, six touchdowns, five passing, one running, in the 48-31 win. And uh, Rodriguez had a career-high 62-yard punt. I mean, that's incredible. And I think special teams definitely doesn't get enough love. And here on this Locked On podcast, we're definitely 
uh, fans of the special teams. Kickers are people too. Punters are people too. And they're actually way more important than given credit for because they can make or break a game. So good punting is seriously one of my favorite things about football games because it can really change, you know, dropping a punt right in there, pinning teams back in their own um, side of the field. That's super important. So I love a good punt. (laughs) But uh, Luton and Rodriguez, first Oregon State players to land Pac-12 weekly honors this season. Uh, Very impressive. And what's cool about Luton is he's yet to throw an interception this season. He has a streak of 166 consecutive passes without an interception, dating back to 2018. And that's actually the nation's longest active streak. So that's pretty cool. Um, And then Rodriguez, the punter, is averaging 47.9, almost 50 yards per punt this season, which is also impressive. So Oregon State will be back home this weekend facing Utah. Probably... Not as many um, touchdowns in that game, but still be interesting to see how Utah handles Oregon State at home. Now, for the defense, those were offensive and special teams. Defensive player of the week is Stanford cornerback Paulson Adebo. Now, people love love this guy at Stanford. They call it Adebo Island. And, you know, he started off the season pretty strong, and people were really amped on him. Then he, he was exposed a little bit in the UCF game, and we're going to bring RJ on to talk about that in a bit. Um, but Adebo against Washington matched career high with four pass breakups, and he actually added five tackles, um, and he helped limit Washington to just 206 passing yards and only 88 rushing yards. So that's pretty impressive to shut down such a productive Washington offense. Um, another interesting stat is he helped Uh, Stanford limit Washington to just two out of 12 on third down conversions. So, yeah, Washington really couldn't get much going against Stanford. Uh, Pretty, pretty impressive. So shout out to Paulson Adebo for that defensive player of the week. Then we go down to the lineman, offensive lineman, Drew Dahlman, another Stanford guy, junior center from Salinas, California. He, uh, He got offensive lineman player of the week. And defensive lineman player of the week, Kayvon Thibodeau, freshman defensive end from Oregon. Um, that's that was their game versus Cal. Uh, he had two sacks in in Oregon's 17-7 win over the Bears, and he was a key part of a defense that marked the first time since 1960 that the Ducks have held four consecutive opponents opponents to single digit points. That's a pretty cool stat, you know. You don't see too many teams have consecutive games where they hold teams to single-digit scores. I mean, that's pretty incredible, especially in the Pac-12 where scoring reigns supreme. So very, very impressive um, on his part. And then freshman of the week, Simi Fajoko, redshirt freshman wide receiver at Stanford. Very interesting guy. He had a career-high three catches for 91 yards and a touchdown in Stanford's win. And he had a career-long 42 – and that touchdown was a career-long 42-yard reception from uh, Davis Mills. And it was his first career touchdown, and it actually marked the longest pass completion of the year for Stanford, um, which is kind of, you, you know, not a trademark move for Stanford. For, you know, 42 yards doesn't seem like it should be their, their trademark touchdown at this point, but that's where we're at with that Stanford team. So we're going to hear a little bit more about uh, Fajoko from um, RJ Abadia, who is going to be the guest on the podcast next. So stay tuned. We're going to talk more about Stanford, more about these players of the week coming up in a few minutes. So stick around. 
First, I got to talk to you guys about Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to 100 bucks. MLB use promo code POSTSEASON. What are you waiting for? Use Vivid Seats to get to your favorite game now. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we are back on the Locked On Pac-12 Football Podcast. And for this segment, I am joined by one of my favorite people, one of the OGs to the Stanford sports writing scene. His name is RJ Abadia, and he is the publisher of The Bootleg. Welcome to the podcast, RJ. Well, thank you. As an OG, it's always it's always good to be back with a fellow uh, road dog. I know, and and it's funny because RJ was going to be the first guest, but you know we we had some technical difficulties meeting, getting time set and whatnot. But he really is the beginning of all of this. Back to my days when I used to cover Stanford um, primarily. And we would travel this great, you know, Pac-12 terrain together, covering all these games, <laughs> making memories. <laughs> yes. I mean, sadly, many of them are probably not fit for podcasts, but uh, definitely memories nonetheless. Yes. We, we dubbed ourselves the Road Dogs, and we traveled and traversed all of the schools in the Pac-12. But RJ is the absolute, you know, last word, in my opinion, on Stanford football. And anytime I have a question, I, I, t- I kind of go to him and bounce things off of him. So what I wanted to do was start off by, by asking you, how surprised were you by this Stanford upset of Washington on Saturday? Well, I think if we're, if we're keeping it within the context of this season, I'd say very surprised because... <laughs> It was the best they played all year, and it was the best they played all year by a mile. But I think, historically speaking, and and we were you know we were talking about it before we got rolling. But if you just go back two years ago, Stanford was in a very similar situation where it looked like the program was cooked and and it just wasn't going right, and the season was lost, and blah blah blah. And <laughs> in came powerful Washington, and and then Stanford beat beat Jake Browning and the Huskies that that night. Yeah. Um, in a very similar game to what we saw last Saturday. So, you know, David Shaw is far from perfect. I think everyone kind of would acknowledge that, but he does know how to circle the wagons and you got to give him some credit for the effort that that team put forth on Saturday, especially given the injury circumstances. Exactly. And that's totally true. And that's something even just one episode in to this new podcast that, that I've talked about a lot Having seen David Shaw for, you know, I feel like most of my life has just been functioning around critiquing David Shaw. Uh, We know that when he has these situations where he's not backed into a corner per se, but, you know, 
the odds are against him. And he likes to come out and open up the playbook and do things that we haven't seen and win games that he's not supposed to win, kind of just to prove everybody wrong, if if anything. But So I'm not surprised by it at all. As everybody knows, I chose Stanford to win. But my question to you is this. Moving through the season, we only have they only have two other games in the month of October, you know, and they're both at home. So they look like the most likely candidate to come out of this month with zero losses. What do you think that says for the North in particular? And and we're living in a world where Oregon State is tied with Stanford, you know, for second place in the North. And what does that say about the conference overall? You know, I think to be honest with you, I think KJ Costello had it right during Pac-12 media days when he he was asked obviously about the SEC and, and you know everyone wants to compare the Pac-12 to other conferences and and usually those comparisons are negative but KJ had an interesting perspective he said you know there might not be any teams in the Pac-12 as good as Alabama or Clemson at the top end. Right. But when you look at top to bottom, this conference is legitimately competitive every single season to the point where every team can beat every other team. And I don't think you can say that about the SEC or the ACC or even the Big Ten. So, you know, I think the elite teams of those conferences are better than the best Pac-12 teams. I don't think there's any question about that. Mm -hmm. But I also think you got to respect the Pac-12 for being legitimately balanced and legitimately competitive to the point where a Stanford team can jump up and bite Washington, an Arizona State team can jump up and bite Cal, and you have legitimate competition in this conference from week to week. That's a really good point, and and I I, I love Costello. I think he's such a good a good guy, and he gets so fired up, you know, and he's so passionate about the game. But my worry now is that we've seen Mills, you know, play well. Um, in a situation that was not easy, you know, that he's thrust into. When Costello comes back, if, you know, he uses this by week, by week to get better, what are we going to look at moving into the next, you know, two games at the quarterback position? Well, I to be honest with you, it's just so tough to say that it's even going to be in the next two games, yeah. right? Because, first of all, Davis was hurt on Saturday. Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, it looked like it might not be something super impactful but this is a player who's been hurt three different times since his final game of high school and so you know durability is not a given with him and I think with KJ you know coach Shaw talked about last week that they literally had him stop throwing yeah um so it's more than just the thumb injury um KJ has been put through a lot the last two seasons I don't think a lot of people really appreciate how beat up he's been and still gone out and played. So um, I think in the short term, I think we just don't know. I think the lesson is that Stanford should be really happy that they've got both. Yeah. It's pretty clear one way or another, they're probably going to need both just to literally finish this season. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's crazy to see the amount of injuries this year. And, and, I'm not, and I don't know if there's a correlation with the change in strength training, but, I mean, how do how do we figure out how to attribute this? I mean, I saw you tweet something like five linemen in two weeks. That's an insane amount of injuries, and this is the most I feel like I've ever seen Stanford go down with, and, and how do we figure out where that stems from? No, I, it's a, that's a great question, and it's one we've been trying to work on because – there's just so much information we do not have when you talk about medical stuff. You know, I mean, just 
we don't know what these conversations with trainers are like. We don't really know what their physical therapy program looks like and the protocols and, and so on and so forth. Um, this is, like you said, this is kind of unprecedented now. Um, Stanford had seven total available offensive linemen for the game last Saturday night. And with Henry Haddis going down, again, we'll get we'll get official stuff from Coach Shaw tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But for the moment, if we assume he's not available, now you're talking about six offensive linemen with six games left to play. Jeez. And that's just the offensive line. You alluded to my tweet earlier about, I mean, Stanford has already lost two inside linebackers yeah. um, for the season. And so they're playing with basically a three-man rotation at inside linebacker. And, you know, in this day and age when other offenses are running 75, 80, 85 plays, yeah. you're asking for an awful lot for these guys to get through a whole season. Yeah. Um, so does that speak to Stanford's depth and, and the fact that they recruited, you know, I mean, the fact that they're still winning games, that they beat Washington and that they are where they are, does that speak to, to that, do you think? I think it speaks to both. I think you're right. I mean, first of all, first of all, recruiting to the good side, mm-hmm. I think you got to give them credit for having guys, you know, for first of all, for having quarterback depth. I think if you look at the Pac-12, I think, Every other coach in this conference would love to have a, a, a QB2 as good as Davis Mills. Right. <laughs> you know, and they don't. Most don't. Um, and you give them credit for having um, these offensive, these freshman offensive linemen able to come in and just be functional, which is a true accomplishment. Um, and then yeah. on the other side, you know, they have, they've had recruiting shortfalls. They only signed one offensive lineman in the class of 18. And that offensive lineman has never played for Stanford. He's had, wait for it, injury problems. Um, oh, so, you know, so in, in a sense, there, there is, there, there's an extent to which this is a bit self-inflicted. But there's also an extent to which I'm just not sure what you can do right. when you have an avalanche of injuries like this. I'm yeah. not sure there's a training staff or a, a, a roster that could just handle this much attrition. You need a time machine is what you need. <laughs> Stanford has not created a time machine yet, but they're probably going to be the first school to do so. Yeah, no, they're definitely the favorite. If you're laying laying up, plus, and they're not the first, they can just use the time machine to become the first. Yeah, there you go. So either way, it's a win-win. Well, lastly, I wanted to talk to you because today, earlier in the podcast, I talk about Pac-12 releasing their Players of the Week, which they do, you know, every every Monday, and we saw a lot of Stanford guys on that list, you know, Paulson Adebo for Defensive Player of the Week, and then we saw um, uh, Drew Dahlman, he won the Offensive Line Player of the Week, and then uh, even the freshman getting in on it. I can't even yes. say that guy's name, so I'm not going to try, but... <laughs> <laughs> Simi Fajoko. There you go, Fajoko. It's so, a fun name to say. That, what, I mean, what do we say here? My biggest question there is with Adebo, I mean, the, the talk before the season and early on was, you know, he is just this phenomenal guy at cornerback and he was going to be the guy leading it. But, you know, then we, we see the UCF game where our cornerback, the cornerbacks couldn't, you know, track a ball to save their lives that game. But then they have, he has a game like this against Washington where he matches his career high in pass breakups and, you know, all these tackles and he's all over the place. What, who is the real Paulson Adebo? (laughs) No, I think that's totally fair. I mean, I think, 
put it like this. I would say he's closer to the guy we thought he was. Okay. Um, but obviously, um, teams went after him. Yeah. And he has not played as well as I think he expected or any of us kind of expected. I think overall, you know, when you look at him, you know, you're still looking at a player with a lot of talent, a lot of potential. Yeah. Um, and I, I think of it, I think of it more as a slump in the same way that a baseball player could not look good for a few weeks or, you know, any other player in any other sport. I just think he slumped a little bit. I think there's a little bit of, I think he pressed a little bit in terms of maybe gambling and trying to make things happen because he knew that the defense wasn't ready to, to get stops. And they kind of were kind of were hoping they could get some turnovers to kind of mask some of their deficiencies. And so I think that's part of it. And, and, you know, he just got beat. I mean, that's the other thing UCF beat him. I mean, USC beat him on on occasions. You know, he just didn't play a sharp game. And he certainly played a sharp game on Saturday. And if Stanford's going to have a better second half than first half, they're going to need him to look a lot more like he did on Saturday than he did against USF. Exactly. That's, I mean, 100%. What do you think about Fajoko as a wide receiver? I mean, he's obviously young, but he had three big catches in the game, are we going to see more, you know, heading his way? Do you think down the stretch? I think so. Mm. He's very, um, he's got a lot of similar similarities to JJ or Sega Whiteside. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, um, if you ask the team, he is probably the best basketball player, <laughs> which is a title that JJ had. Wow. Okay. And when you look at the way JJ played, you could, it's not hard to see the basketball in his game, right? And right. So, um, Simi is very much like that. He's a big guy. He's tall. He's also the fastest receiver on the team. Interesting. By all accounts, supposedly runs a four three forty. Wow. Um, so yeah, and I would add just a slight asterisk because he's a freshman by the very loosest definition. He's <laughs> right. an academic sophomore. So he he was on the team last year, and he's back from a Mormon mission. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know he's from Utah, so, okay. Yeah, so, yes, technically within the bounds of eligibility, freshman, um, but not your typical freshman. And I would definitely expect to see more of him uh, during the second half of the season. He He can make big plays, and they desperately need those. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Stanford's going to get a very well-deserved off, you know, bye week this weekend, and RJ is going to take one, too. you got to go watch some baseball, right? Yeah, my Dodgers are uh, doing their best to, you know, torture me once again. Of course, you know, I don't think I could handle watching a playoff game with you again like I did last year. It was a lot of stress, so I'm probably not going to be coming down this time. (laughs) Yeah, few people can. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. We'll we'll be having you back on definitely throughout the season, and uh, make sure you guys stick around, stay tuned for more Locked On Pac-12 football podcasts coming up next. And we're back. That was the extremely knowledgeable, very well-spoken R.J. Abadia uh, coming to you live from the bootleg.com where he is the publisher, writer, you know, just all-around knowledgeable Stanford guy. Make sure what we forgot to do was 
as he's giving us all this information um, in that great interview. We forgot to plug where you can read his work. So um, I always put my guest Twitter in the notes for the show, the description, so you can follow them there. But you can check out RJ's work at thebootleg.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. And you should definitely go read up if you're trying to follow along anything Stanford. He even breaks down other Pac-12 teams, though, um, in a very, very good way. So kind of if you're a fan of the Pac-12 in general, definitely check out RJ's work. That was fun talking to him about you know the game, but also about the players of the week because Stanford got a lot of accolades. And he definitely wrote an article, um, went up about 10 hours ago, about the three guys that won the honors and kind of broke down more in depth about them. So you can go check that out. Again, thebootleg.com. Very, very good website. Um, Now, another thing I want to talk about since it's early in the week still is kind of the standings. And we saw, you know, we get the the new standings for the Pac-12 and we get the new standings for, the you know, from the the national college football um, where everybody's at. And right now the Pac-12 has only got three teams up there. Oregon it came in at 13, and they stayed the same from last week after beating Cal 17-7. Then Utah uh, moved up two. They're now at number 15. And then uh, the Sun Devils, ASU, moved up two as well, and they're at 18. So that about rounds out Pac-12 football involvement in the top 25 currently. Um, both Utah and ASU had buys this week. So, you know, they were safe from elimination. Um, but this, you know, looking ahead to this week, Oregon to keep, you know, top of the North and their, their ranking and maybe try and even move up. They'll have to have, you know, definitive win against Colorado at home on Friday, which shouldn't be too difficult. And we'll definitely go over, you know, the PAC 12 games later in the week on the podcast. So you can stay tuned for that. Uh, ASU has Washington State at home, so again, they could make a statement on with a win over them and possibly, depending on what happens elsewhere in the country, and there's a lot of there's a lot of top teams meeting up this weekend, so there'll be some chance for movement. So ASU beating WSU could help them out, definitely moving up um, in the South and then possibly in the, you know, in the nation. So, and then Utah... Now, this is an interesting one, and I'm definitely going to have somebody on the podcast this week to talk about uh, Utah, because number 15, they moved up as well by week, but they traveled to Oregon State this weekend. Now, at first blush, not a great matchup for OSU, but OSU is coming off this huge win against UCLA, an incredibly productive offensive win for them. And Utah's coming off a bye, which, you know, can go either way. It can be good, can be bad. You don't ever really know how a team's going to come out of that. Now, Winningham's teams usually come out fired up and they're, you know, defensively they're uh, a foil for OSU. But it's tough to play a research. You know, Corvallis is a very unique place. Uh, going in there, much like going to Utah, is, is not easy to win. So that's actually one game I'm very excited about. And I'm definitely going to have a Utah writer on this week to talk about what that game needs to look like for the Utes. Because at this point, Utah 4-1, um, but down at, you know, tied for third with ASU. So in the South, which again, Arizona leads. So kind of just weirdness all over the place. But a lot of chance for movement this weekend. So it's going to be fun looking ahead to those games. I wanted to touch really quick on something that happened uh, on Monday and is happening Tuesday. Um, Pac-12 men's and women's basketball 
the media days are in San Francisco right now, which is very cool. We get to preview, you know, what the season's going to look like. We get the the always anticipated uh, media poll. Uh, Pac-12 men's and women's basketball tournaments are going to continue to be in Las Vegas through 2022 which is cool and such a fun. I've been covering that for years. Definitely one of my favorite events. I'm getting a little too old to do it now because you're seeing a lot of basketball and you're seeing it in Vegas. So it's it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a huge week. Um, it's very fun, but it is very draining. Uh, I definitely enjoy it. I'm going to try and make it out to the men's one maybe this year. And uh, But for the women, they had their media day on Monday. And for the third straight year, Oregon was voted the preseason favorite to win the regular title. Um not a lot of surprise there. They collected 21 points, 11 first place votes. So, you know, it's exciting. They're coming off their their first ever NCAA Final Four trip. So I'm excited. But having been, you know, a Cardinal fan, obviously, that I've watched Stanford women's basketball since I was a young, young girl. And it was, I mean, Tara Vandeveer is one of my favorite coaches in any sport, uh, of all time. So she's incredible. And Stanford was picked number two to finish second. So that should be an interesting, you know, bout between the two of them, seeing what'll happen, who's going to take it. But we we got to see a lot of fun stuff uh, at Pac-12.com from this media today. They did some karaoke with the women, which was pretty cool. And they did a fun game where they reached their hands in a box to see, you know, what was in there. So Pac-12 always coming up with, with fun stuff like that. And one of the coolest articles that came out is Stanford head coach Char Vanderveer, 32 wins away from passing legendary Tennessee coach Pat Summit for most all-time wins in women's college basketball. So she talked a lot about that. So definitely go over to Pac-12.com and check out that interview with her. She talks about it. It's definitely... It's definitely a tearjerker, so get you know, grab some tissues. But um, very excited for this college basketball season. It's going to be awesome. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Lockdown Pack Twelve. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen: Google, Spotify, Apple, wherever it is. Make sure you subscribe. Would love for you to rate it and review it. And don't forget to follow the Locked On Pack Twelve Twitter handle: L O underscore Pack Twelve. And let me know what you want to hear about. You know, I'm always taking requests. I'm always, if you want more of this, less of that, please let me know. My my Twitter handle is at MLNEM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. So feel free to follow me and uh, start a conversation. That's going to do it for this episode. So stay tuned for tomorrow. Stay sassy. And as always, stay locked on. Yeah.